0: Welcome to the Pitch Vision Academy Cricket Show. This is a little haven for you if you love playing cricket or you love coaching cricket. We're going to talk about the game for a little while and hopefully come up with some solutions to some problems which may help you out somewhere along the way. My name's David Hinchliffe. I look after things here and helping me to help you is the Director of Cricket at Millfield School. It's Mark Garraway. Hello, Gareth. How's it going?
1: Yeah, good, thank you. Having a very good uh, couple of weeks, we had um, a brilliant evening on Monday night where James Hildreth, who's a beneficiary, a testimonial, um, this year with Somerset, uh, ex-Milfield, came along and did a... uh, a and a evening with us with all of our young players which was fantastic bringing along club captain Tom Abel um, uh, should be on the Ashes tour Jack Leach um, and then somebody that I coached a long time ago uh, in Keith Parsons who who headed up the evening as a compare, and we had an absolutely fantastic time so it's been really interesting to hear some of the concepts that those guys talked about on the stage coming into uh, our sessions this week because the players have, have said i want to have a go at that i want to have a go at this and it just shows that having those influences coming from outside can often get the gray matter going uh, a little bit better um so uh, yeah we've had a great week mate.
0: that sounds fantastic that that idea of um Emulating your heroes is something which has, you know, happened forever, isn't it? And, and it's still something which goes on now, even though sometimes it feels like um, people do their best to stop it from happening. You know, with um, you, you know, saying you know you shouldn't copy and and you know taking. Um, cricket off the television in the uk it's it's something where oh well you know let's 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 try not to emulate our heroes a little bit but actually it's just one of those things that human beings do isn't it And, and i don't see anything wrong with it it's a very powerful thing when you do it right
1: it 's so powerful, and I think it also shows that the the real power of listening to people, talking about what they do, um, and whilst you might not do it in the same way as you um, as that they do uh, when you go about doing, doing your shots or bowling your action or whatever, just that inspiration and that's what it was. The, kid, the kids got so much inspiration from hearing about how the blokes go about their business and uh, and it just then puts a little bit more focus when they come into the sessions. I've had a couple of of absolute blinding sessions this week which have been driven by the player off of the back of being inspired by the by the words of those four which is uh you know which is fantastic so one of hildy's bits of um, gems was just be a sponge uh, and take in as much information as you as you possibly can listen to everything and be inspired by the bits that really grab you and um And I thought that was a great mantra for the night, and it's certainly come out this week without us having to push it, which is always good when the player is in charge of that process.
0: yeah, it's great to be able to do that it's great to be able to say to yourself, Oh yeah, I like that and but that other thing that's that's perhaps not for me, but still be strong enough to not make it a negative not to not say oh well you know that's not for me so no one should ever do it ever and you're wrong if you think you should um but to have it sort of in the armory and go well okay maybe that's not for me ever maybe that's not for me right now but it's probably for someone at some point because here's a history of success with whatever thing we're working on so to just to, to keep in that frame of mind of of being able to assess things work out whether they work for you and then not be too negative if they don't work for you because they work for someone is is a really powerful thing these days
1: especially for a coach now now, because we want to build up as many strategies as we possibly can because, as you say, somebody will present in front of you in, in that way at some stage. So if you can keep that in mind, then you can you can fall back on that and go, oh, yeah, I remember when James Hildreau said that. That could actually work brilliantly for this player, whereas for that player it might not do. And, um, you know, uh, I, I think the, the bigger our encyclopaedia of approaches, the more appropriate we can then be when we're using it with any individual. And then speaking of getting better... Um
0: I'm always reluctant of using words like um, shortcuts or or quick tips or things like that because um, often uh, there are no shortcuts and there are no there are no quick ways to get to what you want. But there are some things which have a bigger sort of bang for their buck than other things, and that's something I wanted to focus on this week when it comes to fielding. You know, but everybody talks about you know if you want to improve your fielding, do a lot of fielding practice, take a lot of catches, you know, stop the ball a lot, try. it as much as you can to be fit and athletic and run about and keen and enthusiastic. And, and and that takes time and it takes effort. But I was wondering, Gareth, are there any sort of uh, areas that you focus on a little bit more? Because you know you get a lot more uh, results for less work than you do necessarily having lots and lots of volume when it comes to developing fielding skills. If you've got someone who's really keen, they want to improve their fielding skills sc- Skills as quickly as possible, what areas would you hone in on above and beyond when you're just talking about just take a lot of catches or, or do a lot of uh, do a lot of stops or all the rest of it
1: yeah i think I think it's a brilliant question. I reckon that uh, cricket coaches generally and cricketers generally. Are fantastic at doing the volume actually in preparation for performance. Work. They do it do it really well. So the volume for me isn't isn't the challenge because I think it's always there because fielding practice is fun. You know, It's, it's certainly in, in many ways more fun than actually fielding itself because it's obviously concentrating your, your time to uh, pick up as many balls as you possibly can and take as many catches as you possibly can. But my, my challenge to all coaches in particular is to try and enhance performance at an accelerated rate rather than just letting volume do its, its thing. Um, so the biggest one for me is pick up. Um, because the pickup is probably the thing that we practice the least. So we do loads of catching practice, we do loads of throwing practice or run-out practice, but actually the emphasis when we do a run-out is about hitting the stumps. Um, and when we do that hitting the stumps thing and we put the emphasis on it, uh, often we don't pick the ball up very much. So I would say I'd spend more time now working on pick-up i do anything else because you can't run anybody out unless you get the ball in your hands at some point or unless you're incredibly good with your feet and uh, generally run outs with your feet tend to happen from a bowler following through uh, and the ball being very close to the stumps uh, where you wouldn't throw it anyway so um, the pickup is massively important and there are some areas that you can Work on around pickup, basic pickup. I'm talking about, I'm not talking about one handed things, I'm not talking about uh, when you're moving uh, laterally, but most people have uh, a fairly poor technique when it comes to picking up the ball that gets hit straight towards them. So, you know, we, we can uh, impact upon that by following a bit of a baseball principle, really, which is getting down to ball level a bit better. In cricket, in terms, we tend to go down to the ball go down to pick the ball up that's on the ground far too late so our our journey to it is very steep and as a result, we tend to bounce out of our pick So if you can imagine that our body and our hands are going down quite late because we're running to a ball, then we go down late. And as soon as we get to the ball, we bounce back up again. That's that action-reaction thing, go down, come up. And obviously, unless we time it absolutely optimally, we're not going to get the ball in our hands. Where if you watch a ground fielder in, in baseball, they'll be moving towards the ball. But they'll be allowing the ball to come to them in a lower position so they'll already be preparing to be low and they talk about getting their chest to their thighs when they're picking the ball up And this does two things. It lowers our centre of gravity. It gets our head closer to a ball. It gets our hands down on the level and height and line of the ball for for longer, which gives us a better control in getting the ball into your hands. But also, it's storing up energy for your throw as well. So most people, when they throw, they pick the ball up and they straighten their legs. And by straightening their legs straight away, all of the energy is going out the top of their head rather than being propelled into the the back of the ball. So uh, if you can imagine a javelin thrower he doesn't run up completely upright there's actually a little bit of a sort of squat thing before he unleashes hell into that uh, into that javelin so if we can get down lower in anticipation of the ball get our chest down to our, our quads touching, touching those when we pick up we're not just helping our, our pick up but we're also helping to prepare for the next bit of the phase which is to um, put some sparks out of the back of that ball when you're throwing it to a keeper to a bowler's end or in fact to a set of stumps
0: and how does that what what, do you, what would you say would be an improvement in, in that? Obviously, you've got, a clear, you've got a very clear outcome there. It's either a clean pickup or it's not. So you're very, you're very clear on what is a clean pickup and what isn't a clean pickup, but you can get more efficient with it, right? So how do you sort of measure the success of that over a period of time? Because if someone's getting the ball in their hand, but they're going down and up in that steep way that you said uh then they may be not being as efficient as possible uh, and then you've got someone else who maybe isn't is getting lower but is maybe picking up slightly fewer balls but the ones they're picking up are, are better um so how do you how do you kind of compare those those two people and say right well okay you know this it, this person we need to we need to make sure he's picking more up and this other person we need to make sure he continues picking them up but he's getting lower
1: well, I think you could run some pretty basic statistical stuff on that um, and having a whiteboard up um, next to each person's name and you might have two uh, indices on the top. So clean pickup, um, uh, hard throw, accurate throw. And basically you can put a tick in each one of those if you get everything everything spot on. Um, and that's a way of measuring it. So the more times you get everything spot on, you get three ticks... Uh, you know you, you know that you're doing it right and then you can have a think about it particularly if you've got a video camera or which is one of the best bits of kit I think a lot of people have got iPads and iPhones now or other phones that uh, do stuff you can get a tripod attachment which you can put your phone onto so for a pickup for example if I'm hitting balls and we know where the person's going to be picking the ball up from there's like a, a, a replay mode a bit like Pitch Vision but there's an app which just replays the last 10 seconds So they can actually complete their skill whether they fumble it first and then pick it up or whether they pick it up and and throw it with poor accuracy and then after they feel after they've thrown the ball and finished their action they can turn around and see what they've done now if that's allied to three ticks or two ticks or one ticks they can then balance up the ticks on the board with what they're seeing on the ipad or or the or the phone and then all of a sudden they can start making their own adjustments, and that is a perfect coaching situation because it allows us as a coach to ask some really good questions, but also it asks, allows them to be able to be statistical in terms of outcome and in terms of process, and also visual in what they're seeing, which is going to be relating into how successful they are. So to me, you know, we've got this technology around. You can get a tripod for 15 quid. You can get an attachment for for uh, you know a tenner. And all of a sudden, you've got an opportunity to make some good statistical um, uh, uh, evidence, I suppose, but then backing it up with some video as well. And that, to me, is how you go about um, building more awareness in what should be happening and what leads to success.
0: Let's move on to some questions now, questions that have been sent in by listeners to the show. Or maybe read us to the Pitch Vision website over at pitchvision.com. And um, we're going to do our best to answer these questions. And then we're going to pick the best question of the week, which wins a prize of an online coaching course from Pitch Vision Academy at pitchvision.com. And if you want to send a question into a future show, you can email us coach at pitchvision.com is the email address. Or you can get in touch with us through other ways, which we'll tell you about towards the end of the show. Our first question this week is from Boris. And Boris says, are there any drills or exercises that can help me with bowling a fuller length or will it just come with time? I guess we're going back to that volume question again, aren't we? You know, if you just keep powering through, eventually you'll get it right.
1: Yeah, and, and I suppose time can come into that. But a bit like my previous answer, really, if you have a bit of a strategy of how, how you're going to go about it, then you'll probably reduce that amount of time that it takes to, to make that natural adjustment in, in bowling a fuller length. Now, a fuller length could be down to something technical. It could be something that's meaning that you're pulling the ball down into the pitch too much. Whether you're a fast bowler or a spinner, I'm going to speculate that you are uh, a fast bowler here. Um, So there could be something technical. And obviously, that could be an array of things. It could be where your weight is distributed. It could be where your release point is. It could be how your your body is folding. Um, It could be a combination of a, a number of things, but often, It's about how we use our vision because, you know, line and length can be a a vision thing. So I'll give you an example. People that have got a narrow vision and quite like bowling at targets are are often people that when you take that target away and they're just looking at a bit of grass on a pitch, that they they sort of stop picking out a point that they want to hit. And there's some people that can run up and bowl with a very fixed mindset of whether they want to hit the top of our stump or whether they want to hit a particular point on the pitch so somebody like glenn mcgrath you hear him talk he's very specific about what he's what he was trying to do when he was bowling he had very specific points that he was trying to hit both on the pitch but also where he wanted the ball to end up as well and those guys if you can teach them to use their visual preference of being narrow they all hit, hit a length far better than not. Other people, and I'll give you an example of somebody that I've worked with a little bit uh, in Mornay-Morkel, cool. if you put a cone down or a target down and ask them to bowl it in, it would throw him completely. So you get him to look around some sort of target area and really trust his feel, his kinesthetics, the, the feel of the ball coming out of the hand, because length can a lot of the time be based on that feel. So how do you do that? Well, the first thing that you do is you get somebody to do some bowling and, and at the last minute, as they're running up to bowl, they, they're looking, they jump up in the air and then to close their eyes and to feel the ball out of, the, out of their hand and bowl. And one of the benefits of doing that, they then have to tell you what length they think that they bowled it into. Now their line could go at this point. You know, that, that's not what we're trying to work on here, but they'll start to associate the feeling of the ball coming out of the hand and the length that it goes. I did a session which I think you're going to feature this week on our um, uh, on the uh, blog on the coach education blog, um, which started in pitch dark and all that we could do was work on the feel of the ball coming out of a hand because we had no idea where the ball was going in terms of line and length we took the whole of the outcome out of it but Josh who was the bowler in that session could start to feel whether he felt that the ball was going to come out and have a chance he's a leg spinner but have a chance of, of hitting a length so there's two things for me here can we use our vision appropriately if we're narrow focused to pick out some points out of or can we develop that feel which is associated with the ball going into length and if we can work on one of those or even a combination of those then it's going to give us a much better chance but equally if your bowling action is is flawed in certain ways and it's not going to help you to be able to hit a a consistent length but beyond that let's say your bowling action is sound then feel and uh, vision are going to have two uh, pretty important roles to play in, in whether you can hit length it's it's one of the
0: most one of the more fun sort of coaching pieces of advice you can give i think if you've got someone who is struggling with line or length and you think possibly they are an arrow focused person so you say to them where are you looking when you bowl the ball and they say oh somewhere down there somewhere i say, try looking at the exact spot on the pitch you want the ball to hit and they go Oh, okay. And they try it. and I'd say if, if you get the right person nine times out of 10, that next ball is a pretty good ball. <laughs> so it, it, it's nice mm-hmm. to get a, I agree. like that instant feedback because there's so many things that we do that are, you know, you, you think it might work, but it's going to take a little time and it's not quite it doesn't happen quite instantly. But that is one of those glorious sort of golden moments where you, you seem like an absolute genius to that person. Um, uh, but actually, you're just helping them focus, and it is as simple as that. But it, it's it, it it is a lovely thing when it works to say to someone, "Oh, just uh, try, try looking at the top of off stump, really aiming for the top of off stump. See if that works for you. Oh, look, it does. Okay, well, let's keep doing that then, shall we? I did, and it,
1: it's a nice revelation. I did a session the other day where I got three tennis balls and then put one tennis so three tennis balls on the ground tightly knit, put one tennis ball on the top, and for a guy that I've got a pretty good idea is narrow focus, he was bowling nicely. Don't get me wrong bowling it into all right areas but i felt that there was more to come from him so i took away his his discs that he was aiming for which was sort of length you know he was trying to put out length and i said right that's great um but i put three tennis balls down then i balanced one on top i said right what i'd like you to do is to knock those tennis balls over and it's obviously a much finer and smaller area that he's trying to trying to land with loop land that ball on top of uh, those those four tennis balls that are balanced on top of each other uh, and all of a sudden when he missed he missed by the smallest of margins and eventually he hit but he was missing by the smallest of margins now you're not going to run up and just hit that over and over and over again because there's nobody in the history of the game that's done that but if you can miss your target area as a narrow-focused person, by minimal amounts every single time, then you're bound to be putting that batter under pressure when you can simulate that back into a, into a game situation. Who was it?
0: What... what player from yesteryear was it who said that he used to put a hanky down on a length and used to bowl it until he, until he could hit it consistently
1: well I think that's what a lot of did I, I'm, I'm, so I'm thinking of Bill Bowes from years ago who was in the, yeah, in yeah. the body line because I remember watching this could be completely and utterly making the story sound better but on the body line, <laughs> of course. On the body line videos that they had um, uh, years and years ago where they they put some actors into it to uh, it was an Australian thing, which is comical, but brilliant at the same time. Um, they did like some trialing. They had Harold Larwood was the, the guy who was put in to bowl fast and bowl body line short balls at the, at the Australians and obviously the target. Uh, Bradman and one of the one of the scenes is him coming out of the mine and Douglas Jardine <laughs> Douglas Jardine putting down I think it might have been a I know half penny or a tuppence or something like that sixpence, sixpence yeah. um, <laughs> on the length that he wanted him to bowl uh, to bowl at Bradman and he and he ran up and missed it a couple of times and then hit it straight on the straight on the queen's head or king's head or whatever it was and uh, yeah so that would you know that would work for a narrow focus person. as I said, working with Morne Morkel it, it completely threw him where he was practicing his yeah. practicing his Yorkers and uh, he, you know, he wouldn't have hit a barn door for about a week. Um, so we took that out of the equation and asked him to feel the ball into uh, his Yorker length, and all of a sudden his consistency came in. So it's about trying both of those approaches when you've worked out which one it is that, that best uh, resonates with that person, uh, and, and sticking with that. So it's either a vision thing or it's a or it's a feel thing, and in some cases it can be a bit of both.
0: Yeah yeah and it's not the point is it's it's not it's not a new piece of coaching advice but it is an effective piece of coaching advice if you give it to the right person and another one another this is from ian pont so he's always he's great with these things you know grab the sight screens and all that kind of thing um uh, one that he said works for for a lot of people is say if you say to if they're a fast bowler try and hit the wicket keepers gloves as hard as you can and if, if they're a broad focus type of person, then that's gonna, that, that sort of takes away the idea of trying to hit a, a very specific spot and you're just thinking, oh great, okay, I'm just gonna try and get the ball through as fast as I can. And if you're hitting the wicket keeper's gloves, that's, that's the sign of good success. So uh, that's, that's a nice one that's worked for a couple of guys I've been working with as well. So find the right language and uh, you, can, you can unlock things very quickly. Next question is from George. And George says, I've just started bowling fast and I find that I land my front foot with the toe first, not the heel. My coach says I also bend my front knee and this is slowing down the pace of the ball. The thing is when I try to land heel first, it's just painful in my knee and I lost all accuracy. Is there anything I can do or do I just have to accept I am limited in this way?
1: Well, firstly, whilst it's optimal in terms of producing pace, to bowl uh, with a straight front leg or brace front leg it's also you know there, there's that whole performance miles per hour thing against having robustness from a physical point of view to be able to repeat as well so yeah. so you know the, the top end performance bit of it solely without thinking of injury prevention and how each person's body work and, and all of that is to bowl over a, a, a brace front leg so if you're thinking about that back in my day it would have been Alan Donald would have been a classic example of somebody who was able to bowl over a, a brace front leg and as a result he was top end and other things that he had going on in his action which were magnificent um, he had top end pace but with that also came uh, ankle challenges um, knee challenges, exactly the same as what you're you're talking here. So you know we see a number of bowlers now who are bowling at a good level. In uh, Dale Stane being one of them. Dale Stain has a, a leg that bends and then and then has a bit of stability into it so it's not the be and end all of everything because with every action as I always say there's a reaction so having that brace front leg is optimal from a performance point of view but not always is going to be useful for you in terms of uh, being able to bowl consistently injury free for long periods of time because uh, it's using those ground forces optimally from a performance point of view rather than absorbing them particularly in, uh, into a body and, and beyond so um, it's not a deal breaker that is for sure because you look at Dale Stane, there is an element of flex in there and he is very good. So, you know, let's, let's not um, be a slave to one, to one thing on that one. So don't get too caught up in it. Um, the most important thing really is that you are injury free and one of the things that you can do which helps us to absorb force from the ground as we go into it is to go heel first and then through our foot plates and over the top of our our toes when we come out the other way and this is going back to what I call the tram uh, principle because you're increasing the time that your foot's on the ground so you're absorbing that force over a longer period of time, you're increasing the range um, so you take in the force over a bigger range the area that you can absorb that force in is more your mass is going to stay the same uh, because you know you jump up into the air and you'll be whatever kilograms you are you land you'll be whatever kilograms so really it's the time it's the range and it's the area that you're you're increasing when we go down on our toe we're obviously very acute there's a very small area so the force is that are coming down into the, into the floor are exactly the same, but they're being spread over a shorter period, a shorter area, and a shorter range, so they're gonna be more acute, which is why your knee is bending. So one of the things that you can do to try and prevent yourself from hitting um, uh, the toe is to run in faster and jump lower. And what will tend to happen is your delivery stride will spread out a little bit okay by running in faster and as you as you can imagine if you're sitting down listening to this or you're standing up as you step further you're likely to have that um, you're likely to have that foot hit in the ground on the heel and then go through. Um, so that's what we're looking looking to do. The other thing that often is linked to it as well is the fact that our, our bowling arm, our non-bowling arm, if our non-bowling arm is just short and it's completing too early, that can often have an impact on the front foot coming down. If the front foot comes down too early, we are likely to be hitting uh, the forefront of our foot rather than the, the back of our foot. So going back to Impont that you mentioned earlier, if you can be reaching for both side screens then obviously you're going to be delaying that front arm which is then going to have an impact on when the front foot comes down as well so the longer we can delay that arm the more likely our front foot is going to be reaching out and with our front foot and leg reaching out we're likely to hit the heel first and then go through to the to a toe thus dissipating the forces and giving you more chance of bowling over a more brace front leg but as i said at the beginning having that brace front leg is fantastic from a performance point of view but not always brilliant from a uh, being able to deal with the forces coming up the body and, and ankles and knees can be can be a little bit vulnerable.
0: Steph Jones I think is is, is started saying you know you want to you want to be braced but you don't want to be locked and if you know if you end up if you if you're hyper extending that knee because you're trying to lock it in so tight then yeah that is going to be causing you a problem so I think I think even the sort of the cutting edge guys are are saying look you know we can we can be a little bit more flexible about what we mean by a brace front leg let's not you know let's not pretend that it's it's a pole and there's no joint in it because there is a joint we have got to work with there so You know, you've got to to, and the knee is one of those things that is very, very easy to break and very hard to fix. So so, um, having that having that flexibility to say, well, okay, you know, it, it doesn't matter as much. If there is a a little bit of a softness in that knee rather than just completely locking it in, then uh, that's going to help you in the long run, I suppose. And that's
1: the difference between a bowler and a javelin thrower because if you, javelin throwers do huge amounts of training, but rarely are they throwing at absolute maximum velocity with a javelin. And as a result of that, they're probably throwing, you know, 40, 50 javelins at absolute max per year, per per uh, yearly performance program because they're looking to peak at certain events you know. and if you look down the history of javelin throwing people are looking to peak at world championships European championships and uh, world championships so that's three over a four year you know over a four year period um, so you don't mind having to peak at that time but a fast bowler has got to be able to repeat ball after ball, over after over, three spells a day, and then come back again the next day, and then do it and do it and do it and do it and do it. it. So, um, you know, in javelin, you're looking at at having as close to that, um, uh, that braced leg lock leg as possible which purely because you're not looking to repeat your maximum very often over the course of a year whereas in cricket we're doing it you know constantly so yeah i think steph's advice is absolutely spot on on that and the more we're beginning to understand the, the body and performance and robustness the the, the better we are at explaining that
0: yeah, exactly. And you can't, you know, you can't be a fast bowler if you're injured. So th- the number one priority has got to be to make sure you do everything you can to stay healthy. And I think maybe in the past there were times when we um, sort of f- fixated is a strong word, but we, we locked in on certain things that we thought, OK, well, this is definitely going to you know, be, be good for injury prevention. So we better do that. And then the more we looked into it, the more we realised That it wasn't quite as we thought it was in the first place and I think having that flexible approach and not being dogmatic about it and saying this is what we know right now so we're going to do our best to stick with what we know right now but also be open to other ideas as as research happens and and as people as people it becomes clearer what what helps people better that's going to help us in the long run as well so I, I you know I think in the you know maybe 10 15 years ago, we were just getting into this idea of injury prevention and people went along a road, which maybe went a bit too far uh, along the road, but now we've sort of got that flexibility in the saying, look, we know that injury prevention is the thing that we want to have as the big priority because you know, if injuries happen, you can't bowl, but also we need to be flexible. We don't need to be dogmatic about it. And, And I guess that all boils back down to that whole point about what your knee does at the point of impact. You know, it's something as as simple as that. You can make slight adjustments as you go and keep yourself on the park.
1: So you look at, you know, two of England's most exciting bowlers over the past 20 years have been Andrew Flintoff. who from not necessarily in relation to locked front legs or not locked front legs or bracing or collapsing or but he had a sort of flaw in his bowling which meant that his front foot was pointing towards sort of fine leg when he let go of the ball and every time that he bowled with all of that weight all of that energy and, and massive ball release speed going through his system the alignment of his foot it, it meant that every now and again he'd have to have his ankle flushed out or his knee flushed out so he wasn't able to bowl at his top pace relentlessly for years and years and years on end. And we've got now with Mark Wood, now there's elements of his action there, obviously are going to his effectiveness goes down and then he has a period of time out of the game. So, you know, as you said, David, you can't be a fast bowler if you're injured. And it's a, it's a great shame for somebody like Mark Wood that we don't get to see him more often because every time he bowls at full, at full pace, he's one of the most exciting sights in world cricket. And
0: that is the end of the show for another week. Um, Before we leave, we do need to decide on the winner of the competition this week. So, um, Gareth, let's see what we got on offer this week. Boris's question about bowling a fuller length and George's question about um, landing with his front foot with the toe first, amongst other things. Which question did you prefer this week?
1: Well, I'm going to go with Boris's one this week because it's not an area that's always coached uh, around how to rectify bowling a, a fuller length. Hopefully, there's a couple of strategies that we've given you based on some pretty good best practice. I mean, there aren't too many better than Glenn McGrath, and it's certainly something that he taught, talked uh, widely around that I've picked up on and used with certain players. Um, so, uh, have a go at that, and then equally have a go at the uh, just feeling it. You know, maybe doing a bit of closed eyes or doing as I did the other day and go inside when it's. Uh, pitch black outside and um, and give that a go as well so I'm going to go with Boris's one this week
0: Well done Boris, you win the prize the online coaching course from Pitch Vision Academy at pitchvision.com and Gareth, if there was someone listening who was not Boris and they wanted to have that chance to win the prize, certainly get their question answered how could they get in touch with the show?
1: They could give us a call on 0203 239 7543 or drop us an email on coach at pitchvision.com
0: that's right. There are social media ways to get in touch with us as well. You can use the social media messaging system at pitchvision.com. Our account there is pitchvisionacademy. We uh, encourage you to join in the fun there. You can also get us through Facebook, facebook.com slash pitchvisionacademy, or Twitter at pitchvisionacad. If you want to listen to the show every week, you can do that pretty easily too. Just go to your favorite podcast app, do a search for pitchvisionacademy. You'll find us there. You can subscribe to us. It comes out every friday and if you want to get the show uh, in the slightly old-fashioned way through our website you can stream it there you can download it you can get all the show notes and you can do lots of other fun things there as well you can go to pitchvision.com academy and click on the podcast link that's all for this week we hope you listen next week but until then have a good week cheers garris